nowadays no longer we after talent it's talent selecting which company to work for that's the world we live in and I think being executive being a lead of your department or your company this is something that you just have to recognize and embrace it I'm Sean Cheatham, the Chief Commercial Officer at Hayes Technology, and welcome to How Did You Get That Job, a podcast that explores the secrets behind career success in the tech industry. Joining us for this episode is Ivan Wu, who is the Chief Information Officer at the QI Group. Now, Ivan is someone who spent over 19 years with the same company, which nowadays in the world of tech is something of a rarity. And so we'll ask him about his career. We'll touch upon mentorship and how this has been an important part of his growth. And finally, we'll look to the future. So Ivan, thanks for joining me. Let's start our chat by asking you to tell us a little bit more about the QI Group. And then secondly, tell us a little bit more about your role and how it fits in the overall operation. So QI is actually a group company. We have around 20 subsidiaries around the world with business around lifestyle, well-being, e-commerce, education, and travels. As a group, we have around a thousand employees around the world with offices in Asia, Europe, Africa, and Middle East. My role as Chief Information Officer of the group, I'm overseeing the global IT and digital transformation functions of the company. With around 160 technology professionals in nearly 10 locations and across four continents. So tell me, how did you get that role? That's actually a very interesting story. I joined the company 19 years ago in the position as programmer and then become a head of departments, later CTO, and I get the chief information officer role since 2018. 19 years, long time, quick rise though to CIO. What challenges in the role have you had to overcome to achieve success? Do you have two days? (laughs) Challenging is happening every day. I break down my career journey as like two to three sectors. I call my first 10 years is more like a day-to-day programmers, solutions architect, system analyst, because we are a 100% e-commerce company. So the first 10 years is purely just keep the lights on, no matter it's infrastructure issues, security issues. Then I think the journey starts when I am after a career advancement. When I was becoming a CTO, focusing a lot more on infrastructure architecture, a lot of more planning instead of reactive. Then when the time become a CIO, I think it literally moved away from technology and focusing a lot of business and what the company needs. QI have a tendency or have a phrase, I should say, is make it your own company, become your own CEO. So when we have that mindset, then everything is your challenges. So we don't like to call challenges. We just like to call opportunities that we have every day. And what would you say would be the biggest challenge you had moving from a programmer to a CTO? So as you say, the day-to-day to leading an organization. I still remember back then in the first five years when I was mainly on programming, the light is actually straightforward and definitely less challenges, okay? I have to admit. And then when it become technology, become the CTO, because you in charge, not just keeping the lights on, but also how to keep track with the technology, retain the legacy thinking, legacy technologies, even the title is CTO. It's still a lot of challenges with the legacy mindset and legacy thinking. We do slightly better, but I think we're still a lot of firefighting in pretty much everywhere because I've inherited the role from a former CIO. So there's a lot of legacy issue that we're addressing. And I have to be very honest, there's not much for thinking, but more like just firefighting every other hours, days or weeks. And what advice could you share with our listeners around what skills are needed to be successful as the chief information officer? I'll say the advice is you need to take ownership. I think when you're in executive role, no matter CIO or other 
CFO or CMO. One thing is you really need to embrace the department and even to the scale of the company as your own department in your own company. You have to think outside of your functional area. Like myself, for example, I think I need to stop thinking for IT only and start thinking about finance, start thinking about marketing, start thinking about operations. Because I think someone to carrying the title of CIO just staying at the back, just receiving instruction is a dinosaur thinking. You're either going to be eliminated in the industry or you will be replaced. So I think the mindset of become more business focused, not necessarily meaning you know how to operate in those function area, but being a business partner is very important. And I think this requires a lot of communications, spending time with the business entity, talk to them how to communicate your problem, how to solve their problem together. I think the linear approach, working with your peers is very important as a CIO. Listeners, if you'd like further insight into the technology industry, including tips for highlighting tech skills and experience on resumes, then visit our blog at Hayes Technology or check the link in the show notes. And let's focus a little bit more on you. When we first met, you told me that you actually failed your computer studies. <laughs> and then that led to kind of a change in your studies. Would you feel comfortable talking more about that moment and what made you choose tech? I grew up in Hong Kong. I based in Hong Kong. So we Hong Kong following the UK teaching syllabus. So we have like public exam. When I took my public exam before university, I actually studied in computer studies. And then surprisingly, I have failed. The public exam. I do okay in other subjects like English and mathematics, but the computer study, which is my passion, I in fact have failed. And I still recall that moment because it's kind of like probably the first crisis in my whole life. I've changed my university applications, moving major applications from information study, computer science to the field of engineering. Not because I like it, okay? Just simply because I want to go to the best university in Hong Kong. In QI, we like to say there's a master plan. So somehow I get demoted on my selection on the 17th choice out of 20s. And that is actually information system under the faculty of business. So even when I go into the university on my first two years or even three years, I don't expect myself to come out to be a programmer again. I have to be very honest. Because when I'm in the faculty of business, I study accounting, finance, which I think is actually fit myself slightly better because I'm more business oriented. I like to talk to people instead of computers. But when I graduate, somehow after a few jobs around IT support, system administrator, I end up to do programming. And I think that's how I bring back my passion of being a problem solver because I like to solve problems. And I think programmers ultimately solving a problem. And then the rest is history. And looking back on that moment, though, when you realized that you didn't get to go to the university of your choice, right? As you said, you wanted to go to the best. What did you learn from that experience? It's a good question. Things happen, okay? <laughs> you can do your best planning, but things just always have its own way. And looking back, I'm disappointed of not getting a higher choice in the university. I'm sad I didn't able to go to the best university in Hong Kong. I think I've probably been sad for like hours, not even days. And I think it's also probably my personality. I just like to focusing on the next things. So I say, okay, fine, faculty of business, fine, information system. I should be able to manage. And again, I always say I have the best university life, a lot of fans, a lot of experience. I don't like to spend time focusing on problems I face. I will write, deal with the problems and then just find solutions. I don't allow myself to stuck in a mode of being demotivated, demoralized, or stuck with the problem. It's just not my mentality. I like to move on and tackle the problem along the way. Well, and as you said, I mean, maybe the business degree really helped you achieve where you are today as being a CIO, because you said it's really more about the business as opposed to technology. Yes. 
You started 19 years ago at QI Group as a programmer. Now you're obviously in senior management. I mean, talk about your own personal development. What changed your growth? Looking back, I actually enjoy my first 10 years with the company. I'm leading a small development team around 20 to 30 people, half of them in Philippines, a couple of them in Thailand. I know I'm a pretty good leader because I'm able to help solve problems. So I'm good at what I'm doing and I'm enjoying it. It's come to a certain stage that I felt unfulfilled. I want to do more. I want to be able to push my ideas. And that's where I actually give a lot of thanks to my former CIO. He actually is the one that made me open my eyes to say that you can push your own idea, but you have to climb the ladder as well. And his name is Malcolm, by the way. He's actually the first person that made me believe that I can do more. Of course, that few years, he gave me a lot of chance. But at the same time, I make a lot of mistakes. He gave me a hard time every time I make mistakes. It's not easy to work for him. But one thing that I learned is I don't make the same mistake twice. The first 10 years, some of the company executives later have come back to me saying that we know your name, but we doesn't know you. You just seems to be someone that stay at the server room, touching the PC, touching the server to get things done. We don't really know you. You're kind of like in coma. But when you start climbing your ladder, working with the former CIO called Malcolm, you start to be a bit fell. I think it's the moment when I become CTO working for Malcolm, who later moved on as a COO. We have a lot more conflict. But the good thing is, I think we're able to discuss, we're able to table, and then a lot more exchange with the CEO to a stage that I think I'm ready now to become the CIO. I'm ready to take the ownership on my shoulder because I want to make changes, make a difference for the company. That's how I get the role. Even when I get the role, I have to admit the first year doesn't mean I know how to become a CIO and then find out a lot of shortcomings on what I need. At that stage, I know what I learned. I'm already at my ceiling. I have to learn something new to move on to the next stage. And realizing my own mistakes and shortcomings, realizing that I need help in terms of people work for me, in terms of technologies, willing to focus a lot more on the people. I think looking back, that is one key milestone of my career. And then also forcing myself to talk to the stakeholder, like I mentioned, the CFO, the CMO, the COO, the CHRO. I force myself to talk to them because I enjoy talking to them back then. But when I force myself to talk to them, build a relationship, again, not easy, but I think results follow. A lot more collaborations. And I think really in this executive level, collaboration is the key. You have to be able to communicate. You have to be able to get your opinion across. You have to be able to get feedback as well so that you can prepare your argument in a much better and concrete way. Going back to Malcolm, I mean, he sounds like he was a mentor for you. Maybe not always enjoyable. <laughs> yes. This is the thing in QI. We encourage a lot of mentorship. I also see myself being a mentor for few people because I always say, without the mentor in my life, I will never become where am I. And mentor come in all sorts of formats, just like you say, Sean. But yes, I do believe working with someone that you're willing to listen to, even you don't respect. Because people like to say, you need to work for someone you respect. I have enemies in my life and I'm actually grateful to those enemies I face in QI because they make me a better person. Yes, Malcolm is one of them. There's a few more, but I think Malcolm is the one that we have a lot of conflict, but he's the one that made me want to become executive to a stage that I want to take over his position. Even though he's already gone, move on and he's back to Canada, I do call him one of my mentorship in the company. Yeah, Ivan, why don't you give our listeners some tips on how to speak to those and collaborate with the people that you mentioned, the COO, the CMO, and so forth. I think I've been a lot of assumption that people that I talk to is coming from my background. And sometimes even in my conscious, just like, hey, we are IT professional. We talk the language. But when you talk to the CFO, when you talk to the CMO, you need to realize the fact they come from a totally different set of background. 
And the last thing they need is a IT nerd. Sorry the language, but okay, we come from the industry. Talking about like binary, 0011000011. So you need a lot of rehearsal, by the way. I talk to the mirror a lot. To a station, my wife sometimes worry about my sanity. But rehearsal is key. Talking to the stakeholders from their angle is where they come from. Just like finance CFO, you know they are spot on the numbers. So when you present budget to them, when you come to them for budget, you come from a more financial angle. When you talk to CMO, he have no interest about your programming effort or infrastructure effort. So figure out what kind of things short their attention. Put yourself in their shoes. Think about that message across. Don't just keep talking for 20 minutes. Pause, ask for interaction, ask for reconfirmation. It took me a long time. It took me more than 12 months. So I think a lot of practice, a lot of reflection. Always ask the people, what did I do wrong? And take this feedback positively and then find a way to improve. Those are great tips. You mentioned about how in the year 2017, you had to fire quite a few people. Oh, yes. And this was kind of a key moment for you. Can you talk a little bit about the effect that had on you personally and, and how you dealt with it? I get the CTO ship around 2014, 15. And then when I was becoming a CIO and suddenly the portfolio just expand. Because from CTO, which are in charge of application and infrastructure, suddenly it expand to cover like data information, security, enterprises, a lot more. And I think being a 20 years old organization, we found in 1998, back then it's around 20 years. We have a lot of legacy mentality and it's not just system. We have legacy mindset, we have legacy thinking, we have legacy people. Firing people is never easy because it's not just the people who work for you, but their family as well. I think at that time, why I have to clean the house, I call, is I know some people not up to their game, not qualified to their role, but they are there because of long term with the company, like 10, 15 years. There is also some people that doesn't have the mentality or mindset that I need in the department, which is willing to embrace change. Some people believe they can just keep doing the same thing over and over again. And I don't think that is the technology world we are in back in 2017 and 18. So I have let go a few people. Some live in good terms, some not so. And I think it's not just about the candidate to let go, but it's also the rest of the department. I'm a guy that embraces transparency as much as possible. So when I exit certain people, I definitely inform not just their team, but also their peers as well. So I want to tell certain people have to exit the department because of what? Because I think that is the message I want to carry. So it's not just firing someone, but it's also for the department to learn what kind of mentality and skill set and attitude that we need in the department. And I think attitude is the king because you can pay for knowledge. You can't pay for attitude. Not easy time, but I think it helped to tighten up a lot of attitude within the department during that year. You talk about legacy and embracing change. What would be your personal advice to listeners who are currently planning a digital transformation project? And what would make it a success? I really think it varies from company to company, department to departments. As a CIO, I'm the last person to say whether the digital transformation is successful. Because it's actually for the people to tell, not for me, so-called the head of the department. You first need to identify what does digital transformation mean to your department and to your company. And of course, this is not your CIO idea or CTO idea. It's someone that you validate with your stakeholders and with your peers. I think realization is the key of digital transformation as well. You need to recognize where you are so that you can agree to get to that target stage. So to me, I think knowing realization with business together, not just within IT, is the key. And of course, one thing that I think I can speak on behalf of the other CIO is there's no digital transformation can happen in two days. There's no quick win. So getting stakeholders buy-in, continuous like educating them, but you just need to pivot when the time is needed. If this is wrong, if this is not getting where you are, admit this and pivot. 
then you probably will get to something great in your digital transformation by working with the business and the stakeholders. That is my belief. So let's focus on the future. How do you think your role as chief information officer at the QI group will change in the coming years? I think CIO as a title, I actually say this in the event, I think like two years ago, I think they probably don't need a CIO in the industry anymore. I just deliver for you. I bring in a service provider. I bring in the partner. I just do it and then move on. I think that mentality is not needed anymore in the nowadays world. I have the luxuries of being the organization for so long. So I observe a lot of things. But that's also why I spend a lot of time to partner with the CFO and CEO, which I still believe is the two most important executive in any organization because money talk and supporting the CFO to be successful, supporting the CEO to be successful, I think is quite clear and needed in nowadays world. And same time as executive, of course, your relationship with the board member is fundamentally important. This is another thing that I learned because back then when I was HOD, head of department, I leave it to all my boss to do it. I don't need to be in the boardroom. I don't need to talk to the directors. Okay, that's not my job. But when I become an executive, I think that's how I see proactively engage the board member is so crucial. And I believe different companies run their boards slightly differently. Our company to give a lot of control to the executive, which is something we appreciate. But I think engaging them, let them know, especially we in the world that everyone can talk about technologies. Six years old can be the best programmer ever. So when everyone actually think they know technology and technology moving so fast, actively engaging them, actively to address their pro and pro technology questions, talk to them, speak their language is very important. And that's why looking back, I sometimes even miss the time of doing programming because I didn't have a chance to talk to my application team or head of engineering anymore. I'm talking to way more with the stakeholders. But I think that's what the CIO nowadays need to become. And I think a lot of people become chief digital officer, innovation officer. I think that's where we need to have that aspiration. Personally, I'm focusing quite a bit on data. We are doing some machine learning algorithm program. And same thing, of course, the metaverse and NFT, something that is just unavoidable. But it's more to me is how to leverage blockchain to help the organization to streamline a lot of operations, eliminate a lot of like manual duplication, retire a lot of human tasks because human tasks prone for errors. So how to make the organization a bit effective? I think that is what I see. The new CIO, the CIO in 2020 should be focusing on. Certainly, Ivan, I'm sure you know there's a shortfall of people wanting to take up roles within the tech industry. I mean, what would you say to people who have a non-traditional tech background and to really consider a career in tech? Now it's what, 2022, right? The world is really different. And I think the world of technologies have really, really changed in the last two years, again, thanks to pandemic. You don't really need to study technology to become a technology leadership. You don't. There's so many cases out there. And also, I think the current task force, those newer generation, right now is what? Gen Z or whatever, okay? Because they just knew names. I lost track. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and their mentality is very different as well. They come to me because lucky we have a university in Malaysia. So I met some university student every other year. And every time I talk to them, it's inspiring because the way of thinking is so different. They tell me, no, I'm not going to do a programmer. I'm not going to wait 19 years to become a CIO. You're a moron to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I say, okay, you want to do internship? I think the whole world is so different compared to where we come from. But I really think you can change industry every two years or less nowadays. You can learn anything. But I think to me is practicing something that you like. If you're into like digital marketing right now, spend six months on this. 
but don't just jump every other month. You do need to put your passion into a six to 12 month journey to test. You want to be hands-on. You want to get on it. You want to practice something, communicating your thought with people, getting input. Because if you are really into Azure Cloud AWS, you can become a certified architect in three months' time if you put your heart to it. Because the tool is so much available online. But my advice to the newer generation is find something that you're interested other than Netflix and uh, Disney+. Plus. Put your time on it for like six to 12 months. Ivan, I really like Netflix though. Well, I like Netflix myself, but not six to 12 months <laughs> continuously. But I think it's put your time into it six to 12 months. Do peer reviews. Talk to your friends. Talk to someone elder than you. Talk to someone younger than you. Get feedback. Move on. Then just take ownership on what you want to do. Because it's your life. I don't think in anyone, of, including myself, is capable to tell you what is your right path to do, what is your right step to take. But when you explore a few different things, then pick something that you think, mm, I really like interest with this. Then put in the effort. You need to make mistakes. When you work for something you're passionate about, tears, joy doesn't really matter. It's just part of the journey. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And I am curious, is there anything that the QI group's doing to try and attract this talent? I'm Hong Kong based. The company headquarters in Malaysia. I have a mega development team in Manila. We are all facing the same problem. Is talent just not easy to hire, find, or keep? And especially nowadays, we are working sort of work from home, right? This become the new norm. I lost a lot of talent because of European company or US company that willing to pay triple or four or five times higher offer and allow people to work from home entirely. Salary is always one thing, but not the only thing. I think people nowadays will stay if they find something that they enjoy. Enjoy can be in sense of the role they do actually make a differences of make an impact. Also is the peers they work with or the staff they're managing. Because finding job satisfaction as a supervisor is quite important for people that who don't want to be a lone wolf. And also a department, at least something this I truly believe is you need to have that psychological safety that people are willing to speak up and can speak up. And this is not something that we all learn this from Google, the way the best company work or department work. I do believe that. And that's why I allow my direct report, the two levels down, three levels down, to have any topic to bring it up. And I tell them that, you can bring up any ideas. Even your boss reject it. But if you are passionate about it, bring to me. I don't necessarily will endorse, but I'll give you a chance to present something that you're passionate about. That's psychologically safety. We're asking the people to willingly speak up is very important because nowadays no longer we after talent. It's talent selecting which company to work for. That is the world we live in. And I think being executive, being a lead of your department or your company, this is something that you, you just have to recognize and embrace it. It's quite different when we are growing up, I think, Sean. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's great advice for your peers in the world today. I mean, it is something that we see here in the U.S. It's significant challenges. So, you know, you've come a long way since being a programmer 19 years ago. What are your current long-term plans for your career? Interesting enough, I just do a global GA with my 160 people like three weeks ago. We started a transformation journey in 2019. We are sort of in the year three of a five years program. We actually tell them that we have addressed a lot of issues. Our platform stable, we can now work on the more forward thinking, future thinking. And one thing I told them that I really hope to bring this company and to the group to be a more technology driven company. What it means is we can deploy functions and features. We can become more a product based driven company. We can try our things. We can have a R&D area. We can launch something to test. If it's not okay, no problem. Let's roll it back. I think the QI that I want to bring us to next stage is the ability to test our new features and new products and learn from it. 
because I don't think we know what is the solutions five years down the line. I, I think it's not even just QI industry, but many, many industries. You just don't know how the world will change because the world is going so fast. But the ability to able to test new things, the ability to able to roll out a new features or products, get feedback, learn from it. I think it's a very, very important thing. Even us, where we're going to become a 24 years old company by September. I think this is the stage that I want us to bring the company to in the next two years. And I think that will open a lot more opportunities. And I also believe when we're at that stage, a lot more new people, whether they're new with us or new in their role and capacity, are going to find some inspiration or aspiration to do a little bit more. And I think that's what we need to become because ultimately we call ourselves a people company. We have a lot of old timers. But same time, I think a lot of new ideas, a lot of new leaders is required. So someone can say, okay, this is something that I'm really passionate about. I really want to make a difference. I want to make certain changes on certain areas. I think that is the next stage that we need to become. And of course, technology and IT is the key enabler for us to get to that. And I hope to continue what I can do with the company and get us there in the next two years. Ivan, you're so passionate about the tech industry. I mean, let's close the interview by having you pitch to our listeners why they should consider a career in the tech industry. I think a lot of labor-intensive work will be fully automated either first in USA or first in China. And that's why, to me, technology is everything. It's no longer programming. It's no longer infrastructure. And measures like data, analytics, predictive, security, because security is in everything. With the way that technology adoption continues to grow, security becomes necessity, not nice to have. This is an area that will be needed for the next two, three, four decades. I'm sorry, but I don't know what other field should inspire people nowadays other than technology because everything you do is directly or indirectly related to technologies. That's my personal belief. Ivan, I'm going to totally steal that coming from the guy in staffing trying to get more people into technology. That's like the perfect pitch. So thank you. Okay. If, if you get anyone through this pitch, then make sure you send me some referral fees. Okay, sure. <laughs> I'll give you your cut for sure. <laughs> Ivan, this has been great. Welcome, Sean. Thanks for having me. That was Ivan Wu, Chief Information Officer at the QI Group. The one thing that really struck me about the chat with Ivan is just how focused he is on pushing himself every day to be the best version of himself. Although Malcolm sounds tough, it's good that Ivan had him early in his career to push him. I like his advice about communicating with his superiors and how Ivan pre-planned what he wanted to say in front of a mirror so he make sure he get it right. And lastly, his point about not needing to study technology to be a tech leader is something we have found throughout this podcast series. It's all about having the right mindset and attitude. Next up in the series, we'll be speaking to Tariq Khan, who is the Chief Digital and Information Officer at Camden Council. My perception and the way that I look at leadership now is almost as a gardener. You're trying to make sure that you've got the right plants in place, you're making sure that you're enabling an environment that people can grow in. I'm Sean Cheatham, Chief Commercial Officer at Hayes Technology, and you've been listening to How Did You Get That Job? To find out more about Hayes Technology, visit our website at hayestechnology.com. And to never miss an episode, make sure you hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.